Hello, I'm James Sandy and this is The Unseen Swerve, a colourful slice of arts and culture from Birmingham and beyond. If you're hiding a cultural treasure you'd like to share or fancy casting light on an unheard story, you can get in touch with the show at www.switchradio.co.uk forward slash TUS. In this programme, we explore a pertinent tale of revolution, power and authoritarianism through a new puppet-led production of Animal Farm. We seek soulful reinforcement from Wolverhampton-based The League of International Misfits. And there's time to consider J-pop and back-bedroom songcrafting by way of regular musical challenge on the wall off the wall. You can find more links, information and a show archive at www.kingofthebuttons.co.uk. This is Switch. Okay, so now on the show, to help us work out whether four legs are good or two legs are better, is none other than Toby Ollier, who is a designer and performer and excitingly working on a brand new production of Animal Farm that's coming to Belgrade Theatre in Coventry in April. Toby, welcome to the show. Hiya, thanks so much for having me. It's great to get you on. And um, Animal Farm is a really interesting story. So let's start with with that, because uh, lots of people probably have heard of it and probably know little bits about it. But it's a classic, isn't it? But you're taking a very fresh take on on this. The narrative of, of what you're doing is very fresh. It is, yeah. I mean, the original story is sort of an allegory for the, you know, the Russian Revolution, where, yeah, the the Tsar was overthrown and kind of democracy was put into place. And then slowly but surely that descended back again into a dictatorship and sort of using the allegory of of animals kicking off, uh, kicking the farmer off the farmyard and taking over the farm themselves. But then the pigs becoming as corrupt and brutal as the farmer as they then start to run the farm themselves feels very timely it's terrifyingly timely in these times we're living in currently one rule for the people in charge one rule for everybody else but i think what felt really exciting when rob ike who who adapted the novel uh, into our stage version and, and directed it when he approached me about doing it he sort of said look i you know I feel like it's our duty to make it feel relevant to our times now as much as it was back then a kind of allegory for the Russian Revolution and telling this story, you know, through through highly articulate life-size animal puppets without kind of feeling like we're beating people over the head with the kind of politics of it. It's, you know, it speaks for itself, the story. I think the relevance of this and, as you said, the kind of echoes of, of the themes in this, there couldn't be a better time, I think, for, for this production to be running. And, you know, there are some mixed messages in the in the story about equality and freedom and and happiness and, uh, you know, and, and some dark elements as well. But um, let's talk a little bit about um, the puppets, because I guess people that would have heard your name before will know you for puppetry and puppet performance. And this is, as you as you've said, this is predominantly a puppet performance yeah very much so i think i'm i'm sort of very fortunate after things like warhorse and running wild of having sort of found a niche for kind of puppets in shows alongside actors you know kind of sharing the stage and and um needing an audience to kind of in, invest in puppet characters emotionally as much as they do the actors around them and so um when animal farm um came up as a as a potential project it felt really exciting because i just thought wow this is you know apart from a few farmers this is a, a, a massive kind of puppet show you know a kind of full fully fledged kind of puppet show on a really really massive scale and yeah i mean the cast of the you know the animal cast in the novel is is huge and we tried to keep as many of them as possible knowing that we had a cast of 14 performers who were going to be very busy changing characters and working in pairs and threes on various animals it's it's been a really exciting 
exciting challenge bringing the sort of you know working through the practicalities of of, of how you bring a cast of over 30 animals onto the stage let alone how they then tell the story i wanted to explore that a little bit more with you because uh you, you i think you, you not just design these things but develop them and, and and i think that what that means is making them practically and logistically work so you know when puppetry works well um and you do th this very well there's a resonance there's a humanity about the puppet which um you know is very difficult you know it's not just putting together some foam and some some uh, <laughs> some wardrobe it's you know there's a real craft to it so so tell us how you go about developing you know uh, characters that perhaps are quite well established in a, in, a, mm. in a novel like um animal farm where do you start with that is it sketches building trials or how does it work yeah well a bit of everything basically yeah i mean I'm, I'm lucky that i on shows like this get to work as sort of both puppetry designer and director so i'm able to kind of have my head in the sort of practicalities camp in terms of like what the animal or how many hands we have to animate it that's a really big part in my mind in terms of what how articulate the puppet can be how many puppeteers we have per character and what the action of that character is in the show and then at the same time i'm sort of designing it and thinking aesthetically and working with the set and costume designer bonnie christie about the kind of look of the animals and so i i'm sort of it's I really enjoy working in this kind of multi-faceted aspects of kind of puppetry on a show. Um, but generally, yeah, I'll, I'll start by thinking about number of number of hands that we have available. So we knew we had a cast of fourteen. Two of those would be swings, um, who would who would learn kind of all the other tracks. Um, and then we had a uh, Rob had done his maybe second draft of the script by then. So I sat down with it and thought, right, okay, how many people should operate a pig? How many people should operate a cart horse? And then there's a bit of logistics and kind of people moving around and trying to make sure you've got enough hands for each scene um, and that in itself dictates a lot of things so uh, immediately straight away i sort of thought right okay so all of our medium-sized animals so like the pigs the dogs goat all of those animals can only have two people on them otherwise we're going to run out of, of hands um we're going to run out of animals in scenes so uh, the sort of core idea for a lot of those animals is that the there is one puppeteer who's on the head has a handle on the head and they hold a sort of handle on the spine and then a second puppeteer is playing the animal's back legs with their own legs, their own human legs, and then they're leaning forward and operating the animal's front legs um, with their hands. So you sort of involve the body of one of the puppeteers in the image of the animal, um, which is really exciting and lends them a kind of real, a real sort of sense of muscularity and weight and presence because they have kind of both puppet limbs and real limbs. And that's that sort of central concept was then basically what I kind of built some prototype puppets around. And we had a, we had a kind of two or three series uh, of sort of development workshops over the past few years. Uh, the first of which, yeah, I built a sort of, we built a pig and some dogs, uh, a sort of very sketchy version of Box of the Horse because we weren't, I wasn't quite sure. He was a hard one to sort of solve um, how we would do him. And yeah, I sort of, I'm a big believer in trialing things in 3D with you know, simple materials, cardboard, foam, the plastic piping just to sort of work out the mechanics and the joints and often the simplicity of things i don't really put a lot of mechanisms into my puppets i like to try and keep the mechanics on show so people see how it's being done and sort of believe in it even more and i mean yeah i, I was sort of really trying trial and error things in 3d as a means of then working out how we refine them and sort of finish them to be the, the finished article and and really excitingly both bunny and rob during these workshops said you know we love the exposed mechanics. We love the fact that the puppets involve the puppeteer's legs. And I think they then sort of thought, well, as a concept for the show, we should we should keep it that sort of Brechtian, that kind of exposed, that sort of theatrical. And uh, and that sort of process helped inform a lot of the show. Um, and I think 
has has yeah has made the made the final piece itself very accessible and very theatrical as a result i think what helps when you see the mechanics of these things as well and there's a really interesting thing that happens in your mind where you you kind of forget the actors and you forget you can see the the kind of you know the machinery of it if you like although i know you said it's fairly kind of low in terms of uh, tech and wizardry but uh, um you know you you forget that they are puppets you know and i i guess that there is a dynamic as well where bits of the cast kind of are expressed through the puppet. Yeah, and I think the act of puppetry or sort of, you know, having puppeteers is like a sort of theatrical currency <laughs> in a way. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of feel like in this show as well, we, we often um, we shift scale. So for sort of chase scenes and things, we do a sort of miniature, we go into a sort of miniature language, a miniature farmhouses and miniature animals. So we see like Boxer plowing in the distance. We see Snowball, the pig being chased off the farm in a kind of, yeah, sort of map, you know, far away kind of scale. And that in itself is is only really possible in a sort of theatrical landscape where you're used to seeing people, but not seeing them. Um, you know, in in a kind of, if you were doing a very kind of naturalistic play and then a lot of people came on with tiny houses, you'd be like, who are they? <laughs> what are they doing? And I think a big part of of creating shows with puppetry in is sort of solving and admitting to the audience who the puppeteers are, both sort of visually and kind of thematically, I guess, um, making them sort of aesthetically part of the picture or part of the environment um, or, or, you know, part of the puppet in this case. We've sort of, you know, we dye their trousers to match the colour of the pig that they're operating, so they blend. Things like that that I feel like you you then sort of, once you sort of get your audience on side and believing in it, then kind of anything is possible. And I feel like that's, for me, what keeps puppetry really exciting and makes every job so bespoke because you're able to really be playful with it as a language and keep exceeding people's expectations of what it's capable of. And this is, I think, a joint production between Children's Theatre Partnership and the Rep Birmingham. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just wondering how, partly how that came about in terms of partnering around this production, but also, I, I guess, you know, we, we've touched on it already, but the, the, the real challenge of this is getting across perhaps the complexity of the politics and of the philosophies or the you know the, the, the sort of ideas that are quite challenging to fairly young audiences i think uh we're sort of pitching this uh, 11 and above i think aren't we in yes, terms of the, right. the, the age range so but even even at that age you know it's, it, there's a real challenge to get that across and i think children um, like adults really but children very readily warm to puppets you know they're used to seeing the, the muppets and various other things uh you know as they sort of grow up in sesame street those kind of things i wonder how you get the seriousness of it across because some people i think you know will, will see that it's a puppet production and they might think oh it's a bit of fun um, yeah and, very much and there so. is that but there is a seriousness to it isn't there no i think so and you know you, the sort of heritage of puppetry in britain is very much in you know is a lot there's a lot of kind of television puppetry in it you know there's kind of punch and judy there's you know it is quite rooted in sort of family um entertainment and i think as you say there is a sort of not stigma stigma is maybe too harsh but you you know when you see something has puppetry in it i think a majority of people in the uk do go great i'll bring my family you know i'll bring my family and we'll all in, we'll all enjoy it and i think there's something really you know it was something that really attracted me to this project was sort of going oh right yeah this is sort of this is sort of building on the work that kind of shows like warhorse have done where you've sort of gone right yeah there's there's now puppets playing sort of central characters but actually it's also puppetry in shows that young adults and adults would come and see independently of having families or children and i think that's something that's sort of to a puppet's advantage is that you can yeah you can tell a challenging story in a narrative with a puppet because you're already kind of as you said you know children do it very readily and i'm often really enthused by how even very cynical 
adults or people who think they don't like puppetry come and see it and when it's done well they immediately invest in it and believe in it and care about it and i think you know when an audience is sort of playing the game with you then you're able to yeah use the form to really put far kind of darker more serious themes and ideas across i mean a puppet dies on stage far more believably than an actor does because as soon as a puppeteer lets go of it you know it's not going to move anytime soon you know it's kind of life force has been cut off and left it and i think watching a puppet if you've believed and invested in it for however long you have as soon as that thing stops being animated it's really gut-wrenching because you this it's like i keep thinking it's like someone turning the lights on at the end of like a new year's <laughs> eve party and you're like ah where am i what what, what time is it there's sort of a you know a real quick snap back to sort of cruel reality of it all and i think that's that's a sort of an immediate very sort of potent power that puppetry has that that yeah is you know something we're really using on animal farm where yeah the story does go you know does get very um intense and we when we you know we really didn't want to shy away from that knowing that you know um school groups uh, and families would be seeing it and you know who'd be studying it in in school let's uh, talk a little bit about you as well in, in terms of your career and how you i guess strayed into to puppetry if if that's what you did you, you mentioned warhorse which i guess um of, of many of the productions that you've been working on working around that that, that might be perhaps one of the most well known but you started i think with alice in wonderland which is probably the best place to start isn't it because um there's some crazy ideas that you can do anything with <laughs> i mean i started at about the age of six with a cardboard egg box making a dinosaur <laughs> was my first one <laughs> after finding a book in my school library but um i yeah i so i you know i had very supportive teachers and did loads of puppetry and all my kind of school projects and then before graduating was invited to audition for a development workshop for warhorse basically where they were sort of developing the puppetry for the show that that may or may not be happening at the national theater i hadn't been commissioned back then and so i yeah auditioned for one of the three puppeteers um of operating this sort of prototype horse for a number of weeks and that yeah you know led on to being a part of this show that broke a lot of ground for puppetry um in the uk and then you know in the world and I, I suppose I was really aware that during my my time at university studying puppetry, my big career ambition was to kind of puppeteer a central character in a show. And I was just extremely fortunate that that opportunity came around very, very early in my career and leaving university. So I suppose I was really aware during my time in Warhorse of wanting to explore other sides of puppetry, like making and designing and directing and things like that. And so, yeah, the opportunity to do a, a Cheshire cat for the Royal Ballet came up. He was a big cat, he had about eight puppeteers. Um, and so they got me involved and I sort of made this little cereal packet prototype very Blue Peter style and that yeah that was a real springboard. There is a real passion I think that comes across um, from from the performances and from the the production which you know tells me this is something you love doing it's not just something you've <laughs> uh, fallen into and I think that's you know that's great if you can if you can capture that I think that's uh, that's great um, to see and at the moment Animal Farm is a sort of touring as a, I suppose a regional mini tour initially I think yes um, touring until uh, until sort of mid mid late May yeah yeah so it's coming to the Belgrade Theatre in Coventry it's on there in April from the 12th of April to the 16th of April and you can find tickets on their website belgrade.co.uk and uh, Toby I can't let you go without asking your question, which you've alluded to uh, an answer about this already, because I know that uh, among all the accolades that you have, mm -hmm. um, you, I believe, hold a silver Blue Peter badge. Is <laughs> that right? That coming. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I got a regular one when I was a child. Me and my sister wrote off and got Blue Peter badges for, she says it was a squirrel feeder. And I thought I'd drawn a picture of a dinosaur. Maybe we both sent separate things in. And then basically I was asked to uh, go on and present a kind of puppet making slot and so getting asked to do that 
and make a puppet and demonstrate it, how to make it on Blue Peter was just incredible. And then to have done it and then, then basically say that you've earned a silver Blue Peter badge because you've done something, you know, you've you've come on Blue Peter and done something different, therefore you get a silver badge. Uh, it was just amazing. It was such a really amazing surprise. So now I've, you know, the ultimate career goal is the gold one. But I think you have to win an Olympic medal or save a life, which is possibly a bit outside of my puppetry career i think but, it's, you know. it's still <laughs> still attainable i think you could still you could still get there and maybe better than a knighthood who knows who knows <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> toby it's great to have a chat with you great to get you on the show and uh, i wish you all the best for uh, the remainder of the tour of animal farm thank you um, so much. and uh, thanks so much for coming on no worries thanks so much for having me <laughs>